baseball fans, I'm Matt Russell, and this is Three Strikes, You're Out, the Baseball History Podcast. If you are a fan of baseball players who could do it all, and who isn't, then you are, or will be, a fan of the great Pittsburgh Pirate right fielder, Roberto Clemente. Widely regarded as one of the top two defensive outfielders ever, the other being Willie Mays himself, he had a sensational throwing arm, speed to burn on the bases, and was a tremendous hitter, hitting for both power and high average. He was also one of the most exciting players I've ever seen, and played with a ferocious hustle that you don't often see on the baseball diamond. This guy was truly one in a million. And to emphasize this, this is a two-part show. So let's get to it. Better up! Roberto Clemente played right field for the Pittsburgh Pirates for 18 seasons, from 1955 through 1972. During his career, he established himself as one of the top Major League ballplayers of all time. He was also a role model to many, as he was well known for his philanthropic work with many charities during his career. Among his many, many accomplishments, he was a 12-time All-Star. He won the National League Most Valuable Player Award in 1966. He was the National League Batting Champion four times in 1961, 1964, 1965, and 1967. He was a Gold Glove Award winner as an outfielder for 12 consecutive seasons from 1961 through 1972. He had 13 seasons where he batted over 300. He was a member of the 3000 Hit Club. He was a World Series champion twice with the Pirates in 1960 and 1971. He was the 1971 World Series Most Valuable Player. And he was both the first Latin American and Caribbean player to be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Roberto Enrique Clemente Walker was born in Barrio San Antone, Carolina, Puerto Rico, to Melchor Clemente and Luisa Walker on August 18, 1934. He was the youngest of seven kids. During his childhood, his father worked as a foreman of sugar crops harvested in the area. To help his family, Clemente worked alongside his father in the fields, loading and unloading trucks. He also earned money by doing various jobs for neighbors, such as carrying milk to the country store. Roberto used his money to, among other things, purchase rubber balls, which he liked to squeeze to strengthen his hands. As his strength developed and he began playing sports, it also became clear at an early age that he had excellent athletic ability. He also developed a deep love of sports, especially baseball. He attended games in the winter and watched the star players from the United States mainland. One of his favorites was Monty Irvin. Irvin played for the Newark Eagles in the Negro National League in the summer and for the San Juan Senadores of the Puerto Rican League in the winter. Irvin remembered kids hanging around the stadium. We'd give them our bags so they could take them in and get in for free, he said. Irvin didn't know Clemente was among the kids until Clemente told him years later when both were in the major leagues. Clemente also told Irvin that he was impressed with his throwing arm. Clemente began playing baseball himself. He practiced and emulated Irvin, soon learning to throw like him. When he was 14 years old, Roberto joined a softball team organized by Roberto Marin, who became very influential in Clemente's life. Marin noticed Roberto's strong throwing arm and began using him at shortstop. He eventually moved him to the outfield. Regardless of the position he played, Roberto was sensational. Said Marin, quote, 
His name became known for his long hits to right field and for his sensational catches. Everyone had their eyes on him." Unquote. Roberto also participated in the high jump and javelin throw at Vizcarando High School in Carolina. It was thought that he might even be good enough to represent Puerto Rico in the Olympics. Throwing the javelin strengthened his arm. The more that Clemente threw the javelin, the better and stronger his throwing from the outfield became. Roberto said that throwing the javelin in high school was only part of the reason he developed a strong arm. My mother has the same kind of an arm, even today at 74, he said in a 1964 interview. She could throw a ball from second base to home plate with something on it. I got my arm from my mother. Although he had great all-around athletic ability, Roberto decided to focus on baseball, even though it meant foregoing any dreams of participating in the Olympics. He began playing for a strong amateur team, the Yunkos Mules. In 1952, Clemente took part in a tryout camp in Puerto Rico that was attended by scout Al Campanis of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Clemente impressed Campanis with his many skills, including his speed. The Dodgers did not sign Clemente then, but Campanis kept him in mind. Also in 1952, Clemente caught the eye of Pedrin Zaria, who owned the Santurce Congrejeros, or Crabbers, of the Puerto Rican League. The Yunkos team was to play the Manatee Athenians in Manatee, where Zaria had a house on the beach. Roberto Marin advised Zaria to go to the game. Afterward, Zaria offered Clemente a contract to play with the Congrejeros. Clemente was barely 18 years old when he joined the Congrejeros. As a young and developing player, he was brought along slowly by the team's manager, Buzz Clarkson. Clarkson had had an outstanding career in the Negro Leagues in the United States and played many winters in Puerto Rico. Like many great black players, Clarkson's best years were behind him by the time he got his chance to play in the majors in 1952 at the age of 37. Another such player was Bob Thurman, who was a top hitter in the Negro Leagues. He was an outfielder on the Santurce team that Clemente joined in the winter of 1952. Author Thomas Van Heining wrote, quote, Clemente looked up to Bob Thurman. Clemente pinch hit for Thurman in a key situation and doubled off Cogwis's Roberto Vargas to win the game, earning congratulations from Thurman, unquote. Despite the big hit, Clemente did not play much his first winner in the Puerto Rican League. He began playing more in 1953 and 54 and even played in the league's All-Star game. The star of the All-Star game was none other than Hank Aaron of the Cogwis Criollos, who had four hits, including two home runs, and drove in five runs. By midseason, Clemente's name was appearing along with Aaron's in the list of the Puerto Rican League leaders in batting average. Clemente finished the season with a .288 batting average, sixth best in the league. The Brooklyn Dodgers remembered Clemente from the tryout he had had in front of Al Campanis in 1952. Buzzy Bavese, the Dodgers' vice president, said that during the 1953-54 season, a scout in Puerto Rico told him the Dodgers could sign Clemente. Other major league teams had noticed Clemente too. One was the New York Giants, the Dodgers' great rivals. Brooklyn outbid the Giants and Clemente agreed to sign. The Milwaukee Braves also made an offer, one that was reportedly much more than the Dodgers. But Clemente stuck with his decision. He knew that New York City had a large Puerto Rican population and looked forward to playing there. On February 19, 1954, Clemente's father Melchor signed a contract on behalf of Roberto 
to play with the Dodgers for a reported salary of $5,000 as well as a bonus of $10,000. This was an unimaginable sum for the Clemenes. But the Dodgers had to make a decision on what to do with him. Rules at the time required a team signing a player for a bonus and salary of more than $4,000 to keep him on the major league roster for two years or risk losing him in the offseason draft. Many bonus players of this period were kept at the major league level, benchwarming for two years rather than developing in the minors. The Dodgers chose to have Clemente spend the 1954 season with the Montreal Royals and the International League, even though it meant they might lose him at the end of the season. Many accounts say the Dodgers were trying to hide Clemente in Montreal by playing him rarely, hoping that other teams wouldn't notice him and wouldn't draft him at the end of the season. Montreal manager Max Macon denied that he was under any orders to restrict Clemente's playing time. The only orders I had were to win and draw big crowds, Macon said. Clemente was platooned over the first 13 games of the season and played little over the first three months of the season. But this was hardly unusual for a 19-year-old in his first season of organized baseball. Also, for much of the year, the Royals had a full roster of very good outfielders, including Dick Whitman, Gino Samoli, Jack Cassini, and Sandy Amaros. The crowded outfield situation didn't leave a lot of playing time for the newcomer Clementi. He was often used as a late-inning defensive replacement for Cassini. When he did play, though, he struggled. In early July, his batting average was barely over 200. Part of that may be attributed to his infrequent playing time. It is hard for a batter to get in a groove and hit well when he doesn't play regularly. On the other hand, it's hard for a player to get regular playing time if he's not hitting well. That is a time-honored catch-22 in baseball. Macon said he didn't use Clemente much because he swung wildly, especially at pitches that were outside of the strike zone. Macon said, quote, If you had been in Montreal that year, you wouldn't have believed how ridiculous some pitchers made him look, unquote. Clemente got more chances against left-handed pitchers. Macon was known for platooning and Clemente often split time in the lineup with Whitman, a left-handed hitter. Through June and July, Clemente often went long stretches without seeing any action. Then, on July 25th, he entered the first game of a doubleheader against the Havana Sugar Kings in the ninth inning. The game was tied and went into extra innings. With one out in the last of the tenth, Clemente hit a home run to win it for the Royals. Macon rewarded him by starting him in the second game of the doubleheader, Clemente's first start in nearly three weeks. For the rest of the season, Clemente started every game in which the opposition started a left-handed pitcher. He had a few more highlights during this time. Near the end of July, he came to bat in the top of the ninth inning of a scoreless game in Toronto. Clemente doubled and went on to score to put Montreal ahead. The Royals won the game, 2 to nothing. The next time the Royals were in Toronto, three weeks later, Clemente helped them win in a different way. Montreal had an 8-7 lead over the Maple Leafs in the bottom of the ninth. Toronto had a chance to tie the score, but Clemente threw out a runner at home plate to end the game. His cannon arm and fantastic outfield play would become Clemente trademarks in the coming years. Late in August, he had two triples and a single at Richmond, although the Royals still lost the game. A week later, he hit a home run to win the game for Montreal, and give the Royals a sweep of a doubleheader against Syracuse. Teammate Jack Cassini said, quote, You knew he was going to play in the big leagues. He had a great arm and he could run, unquote. 
When Clementi began playing regularly against left-handers, the Royals rose in the standings and finished in second place. Clementi batted 257 in 87 games in his only season in the minors. By the end of the 1954 season, it had become clear to Bavese and the rest of the Brooklyn organization that other teams were interested in Clementi. However, Bavese said he still wasn't ready to give up on keeping Clementi. The Pirates, by having the worst record in the majors in 1954, had the first pick in the November draft. If Bavese could get the Pirates to draft a different player off the Montreal roster, Clementi would remain with the Dodgers organization. Each minor league team could lose only one player. Bavese said he went to Branch Rickey, who had run the Dodgers before going to Pittsburgh. Rickey told him that, quote, Should I, Bavese, need help at any time, all I had to do was pick up the phone, unquote. Bavese said he used this offer to get Ricky to agree to draft a different player, pitcher John Rutherford, off the Royals roster, instead of Clementi. However, Bavese was shocked to learn two days later that the deal was off and that the Pirates were going to draft Clementi. Bavese explained, quote, It seemed that Dodgers owner Walter O'Malley and Mr. Ricky got in another argument, and it seems Walter called Mr. Ricky every name in the book. Thus, we lost Roberto, unquote. When he was drafted by Pittsburgh, Clemente was in Puerto Rico playing for the Santurce Congrejeros and on his way to his best-ever winter season. He again played with Bob Thurman, but the Santurce outfield had a new addition in 1954-55. It was none other than Willie Mays, who had just led the New York Giants to the World Series championship and was named the National League's most valuable player. An outfield of Clemente, Mays, and Thurman ranks as one of the best ever in the Puerto Rican League. By midseason, Santurce manager Herman Franks was calling Clemente, quote, the best player in the league, except for Willie Mays, unquote. Clemente and Mays had been providing some real highlights. In late November, the Congrejeros were behind by a run going into the ninth inning of a game against Caguas Cayama. Clemente led off the ninth with a single, and Mays then hit a two-run homer to give Santurce a 7-6 win. Not long after that, the pair starred in another 7-6 win. Mays hit two home runs, and Clemente one home run in an 11-inning win over Mayaguez. Both players homered in the league's All-Star game on December 12th, leading their North team to a 7-5 win. By this time, Mays, Clemente, and Thurman were the top three players in the league in batting average, and Santurce moved into first place. While things were going well on the baseball diamond, life threw Clemente a couple of tough breaks. On New Year's Eve of 1954, one of his brothers, Luis, died of a brain tumor. Shortly before that, Clemente had been in a car accident that damaged some of his spinal discs. This injury to his back and neck would hamper him for the rest of his baseball career. Back on the field, Santurce finished first in the Puerto Rican League. The top three teams advanced to the playoffs, so the Congrejeros had to win another series to capture the league title. They did that, defeating Caguas Cayama four games to one. Clemente had four hits, including two doubles, and drove in four runs in the first game of the series, which Santurce won. Caguas Cayama won the next game, but the Congrejeros then won three in a row to finish the series. As champions of the Puerto Rican League, they advanced to the Caribbean Series. The Caribbean Series was played in Caracas, Venezuela in February of 1955. In addition to Santurce, teams from Cuba, Panama, and Venezuela participated, 
It was a double round-robin tournament. The team with the best record at the end would be the champion. The Congrejeros won their first two games and then faced Magallanes of Venezuela. The game went into extra innings. Clemente singled to open the last of the 11th inning, and Mays followed with a home run to win the game 4-2. One more win would clinch at least a tie for the title for Santurce. The Congrejeros' fourth game was a rematch against Almendares of Cuba, a team they had defeated in their first game. Almendares opened up a 5-0 lead, but Santurce battled back to win. Clemente drove in two runs to help in the comeback. Santurce played Carta Vieja of Panama with a chance for the championship. Clemente had a triple as the Congrejeros scored three times in the top of the first. In the third, Clemente had another triple as Santurce scored four runs to take a 7-0 lead. Santurce won the game 11-3 to wrap up the championship. It was the second Caribbean Series title for Santurce in three years. Clemente had been a part of the team that had won the championship in 1953, but he did not play in that series. This time, however, he was a key member of the team that won. Santurce shortstop Don Zimmer, who was voted the most valuable player of the Caribbean Series, said, quote, It might have been the best winter club ever assembled. Unquote. Man, imagine a team with both Willie Mays and Roberto Clemente on the outfield. Unreal. Soon afterward, Clemente was in training camp with the Pittsburgh Pirates, hoping to earn a spot in the major leagues. The Pirates had been keeping an eye on Clemente over the winter. Pirate GM Branch Rookie said, quote, he can run, throw, and hit. He needs much polishing, though, because he is a rough diamond, unquote. The Pirates were loaded with outfielders when they began spring training in Florida in March of 1955. Clemente would have plenty of competition for a spot on the team. After the first week of training camp, Clemente earned some good words from Pirates manager Fred Haney. The boy has the tools, there's no doubt about that, and he takes to instruction readily. Certainly I have been pleased with what I have seen, Haney said. Off the field, for the first time in his life, Clemente felt the effects of racism playing baseball in the American South. To white and black Americans alike, he was considered black. During this time, people had little knowledge of Latino culture. Since Clemente looked black, he was considered black. And in the Jim Crow South, he could not sleep in the same hotels and eat in the same restaurants as the white players. In Puerto Rico, all races were welcome and considered equal, and Clemente understandably felt wrong by the situation. He often felt alone as he had almost no one that he could relate to or talk with in his native language. On the field, Clemente's chances were helped when Frank Thomas, the Pirates' best outfielder, held out for more money and missed the first part of spring training. Thomas then got sick and missed more time. Clemente took advantage of this opportunity and made the team. Clemente's original number with the Pirates was 13, but early in the season he switched to 21, a number that became strongly associated with him. It is reported that Clemente chose the number because his full name, Roberto Clemente Walker, has 21 letters. Clemente didn't play in the first three regular season games. However, he was in the starting lineup playing right field for the first game of a doubleheader on Sunday, April 17, 1955, against the Brooklyn Dodgers at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. Clemente came to the plate with two out in the bottom of the first inning for his first at-bat in the major leagues. He hit a ground ball towards shortstop Pee Wee Reese. Reese got his glove on the grounder, but he couldn't field it cleanly. Clemente had his first hit. 
He followed that by scoring his first run to give Pittsburgh a 1-0 lead. However, Brooklyn came back to win the game. Clemente started the second game of the doubleheader, this time in center field and batting leadoff. He had a double, but the Pirates were unable to score and trailed the Dodgers 3-0 going into the last of the eighth. Clemente got another hit, a single, as part of a two-run rally that closed the gap, but the Pirates still lost. In Pittsburgh's next game, in New York against the Giants, Clemente hit an inside-the-park homer, but the Pirates lost again. At this point, their one-loss record was 0-1. Pittsburgh lost two more games before winning its first of the season. The Pirates went on to finish in last place in the National League for the fourth year in a row. However, Branch Rickey insisted that young players such as Clemente would help turn the team around. Early in the 1955 season, the new players were leading the Pirates' offense. Clemente was leading the team in batting average over the first three weeks. On the base paths, he was even more exciting. When he starts moving around the bases, he draws the O's and O's of the folks in the ballpark, wrote Jack Hernan in the Sporting News. Hernan also added, the fleet Puerto Rican was a stickout on defense. Forbes Field, the home of the Pirates, was a classic ballpark that had opened in 1909. The outfield fence was a brick wall. It was only 300 feet from home plate to the wall down the right field line, but the wall jutted out and changed directions. Clemente learned the angles and how to play balls that caromed off the fence. He could corral long hits quickly and, with his great arm, opposing base runners were careful on trying to take an extra base. Less than a third of the way through the season, Clemente already had 10 assists, and he also made some outstanding catches. Les Biederman, a reporter who covered the Pirates, wrote, The Pittsburgh fans have fallen in love with his spectacular fielding and his deadly right arm. Clemente's hard-charging style in the field could be costly, though. In May, he made a nice catch in St. Louis, but he hurt his finger as he ran into the wall. The injury caused him to miss a few games. Clemente's hitting slumped as the season went along, in part because he still had trouble laying off pitches that were out of the strike zone. However, he became known as a good bad ball hitter, able to make good contact on bad pitches. Jack Cassini, who had played in the minors with Clemente the year before, said, quote, he could hit. He didn't need a strike. The best way to pitch him was right down the middle of the plate, unquote. Clemente played 124 games for the Pirates in 1955 and had a batting average of 255. He walked only 18 times. Drawing walks would never be a strong point for him. While it wasn't a sensational rookie season, Clemente had earned a spot in the Pirates outfield. More than that, his exciting style of play made the fans look forward to seeing more of him. In 1956, Bobby Bragan took over as manager from Fred Haney. Bragan appeared to be well-liked by the players, although he quickly demonstrated his strictness. In the second game of the season, Clemente missed a signal for a bunt, and Bragan fined him. He also fined another player, Dale Long. These harsh actions seemed to wake up the Pirates. The club was soon fighting for first place in the league. Dale Long hit eight home runs in as many games. Clemente moved his batting average up to .348, fourth best in the league. The Pirates were in first place in mid-June, but an eight-game losing streak dropped them to fifth and ended their pennant hopes. Even so, they avoided last place for the first time since 1951, and they were showcasing one of the major league's most exciting players. In the outfield, Clemente had 17 assists, a sign of his strong throwing arm. At the plate, his 311 batting average was third best in the National League. Two of his biggest hits were game-winning home runs. On Saturday, July 21st, 
The Pirates trailed the Reds 3-1 in the top of the ninth, but had two runners on base as Clemente came to the plate. The Cincinnati pitcher was Brooks Lawrence, who had already won 13 games that season and hadn't yet lost. Clemente changed that, hitting a three-run homer to give the Pirates a 4-3 win and spoiling Lawrence's perfect record. The following Wednesday, the Pirates were at home playing the Chicago Cubs. Chicago led 8-5, but Pittsburgh loaded the bases with no out. With Clemente due up, the Cubs brought in a new pitcher, Jim Brosden. On Brosden's first pitch, Clemente hit a long drive into left center field. Hank Foyles, Bill Verdon, and Dick Cole raced around the bases to score the runs that would tie the game. Clemente also tore around the diamond. Manager Bobby Bregan was coaching at third base and held up his arms, giving Clemente the signal to stop at third. With no one out and good hitters coming up, Bregan figured they'd still get Clemente home with the winning run and didn't want to take the chance of him being thrown out at the plate. However, Clemente ignored his manager, kept running, and was safe at home. This inside-the-park Grand Slam home run won the game for the Pirates. It is also the only walk-off inside-the-park Grand Slam in Major League Baseball history. Bregan, who had fined Clemente earlier in the season for missing a sign, wasn't happy about Clemente deliberately disobeying this one. However, he decided not to fine him. Clemente's hits were the usual way for him to reach base because he rarely walked. He drew only 13 bases on balls in 1956 and at one point went 50 games without walking. Branch Rickey wasn't concerned, saying his value is in not taking bases on balls because he can hit the bad pitches. If I tried to teach him to wait for a good pitch, I'd simply make a bad hitter out of him. The cure would be worse than the disease. He'll cure his own ailments simply by experience. At the end of the season, Clemente headed home to play another season for Santurce in the Puerto Rican League. However, a couple of significant events took place between Christmas and New Year's Day. First, Santurce owner Pedrin Zaria sold the team. A few days later, the new owner of the Cangrejeros traded several players, including Clemente, to the Caguas Rio Piedras. The trade was extremely unpopular and even caused the Santurce manager, Monchile Concepcion, to resign. Clemente was leading the league in batting average and had gotten at least one hit in 18 consecutive games when he was traded. He continued his hitting streak, which reached 23 to set a new Puerto Rican league record. His streak was snapped when he was held hitless in a game by Luis Tite Arroyo, a longtime friend and teammate on the Pirates who was pitching for the San Juan Senadores in the winter. Clemente finished the season with an amazing batting average of 396. Although his batting eye was sharp, Clemente's back was continuing to bother him, and he reported a day late to the Pirates' spring training camp in 1957. Bobby Bregan made light of the backache because Clemente had always played well, even when he had some aches and pains. Quote, the case history of Clemente is the worse he feels, the better he plays, unquote, reported the Sporting News, which quoted Bregan as saying, I'd rather have Clemente with some ailment than a Clemente who says he feels great with no aches or pains. Clemente's ability to play through pain and perform well may have contributed to charges that he wasn't really hurt. This time, though, the back problems forced him to miss the first two games of the season. In all, Clemente played in only 111 games for Pittsburgh in 1957, and his batting average dropped to .253. The back problems lingered into the winter, and Clemente didn't play in the Puerto Rican League until mid-January of 1958. The Pirates had finished last in 1957, but they made a big jump in 1958 under manager Danny Murtaugh. 
Clemente, who was feeling better physically, helped them get off to a good start in their opening game. He had three hits, one of which tied the game in the eighth inning against Milwaukee. The Pirates eventually won in 14 innings. Clemente continued to hit well. He had three hits again in a 4-3 win in Cincinnati on April 25th. One was a single in the sixth inning when the Pirates were trailing 1-0. Clemente eventually scored to tie the game. The next inning, he broke the tie with a three-run homer. Another game-winning home run came in Milwaukee on August 4th. Clemente broke a 3-3 tie with two out in the top of the ninth with a home run off fellow Puerto Rican Juan Pizarro, who had also been a winter teammate. A little over a month later, Clemente had an even more spectacular game, although he didn't hit any homers. He had three triples, tying a National League record, in a 4-1 win over Cincinnati on September 8th. Clemente batted 289 in 1958. From right field, he continued to terrorize opposing base runners, finishing with a fantastic 22 assists. Fans loved it when a ball was hit his way with runners on base, rising in anticipation of seeing him unleash a strong throw. Led by Clemente, the Pirates climbed from last place all the way to second, eight games behind the Milwaukee Braves. Clemente didn't play winter baseball in Puerto Rico in 1958-59. Instead, he fulfilled a six-month military commitment with the United States Marine Reserves at Paris Island, South Carolina, and Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. The rigorous training program helped Clemente physically. He added strength, gaining 10 pounds of muscle, and said at the time that his back troubles had disappeared. But when he reported to the Pirates in the spring of 1959, he complained of a sore right elbow. In May, he made it worse when he hit the ground hard while making a diving catch. A few nights later, he had to be taken out of a game because he couldn't throw overhanded. He missed more than a month and continued to feel pain after he returned to the lineup. Clemente played in only 105 games and batted 296 as Pittsburgh dropped to fourth place. But much better things were coming for the Pirates in 1960. For the first time in several winters, Clemente played a full season in the Puerto Rican League in 1959 and 60. He was on a new team, having been traded to the San Juan Senadores and he hit for an excellent 330 batting average. Clemente was ready for a big season back in Pittsburgh. You've reached the end of part one of the Roberto Clemente story. But don't worry, part two is immediately available. See you next show, and see you in the bleachers. Special mentions go out to the following. I want to specifically thank Stu Thornley for an excellent article on Saber.org on Roberto Clemente. I would like to thank YouTuber Mr. Runner Holly, look him up, for his permission to use his cover of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Also, I have to mention the great internet baseball history resource Saber.org, or Society for American Baseball Research. I use this extensively for my shows and really love their well-written and researched articles. I recommend you take a look, you won't be sorry. For show notes and a list of sources I use for the show, or to make a comment, please visit my website, threestrikesyearout.com. Also, if you get a chance, please leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Any feedback would really help. Thanks.